to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Hello, my name is Fraser Allen. Welcome to episode 59. When Dame Laura Lee left the Peterhead area at the age of just 16 to begin her career as a nurse in Edinburgh, she could never have imagined that she would one day be CEO of a major charity operating around the world and having a hugely positive impact on the experiences of cancer patients and those close to them. Yet, after nursing Maggie Jenks, a writer, gardener and designer who had been diagnosed with breast cancer, Laura was inspired by Maggie's vision of creating beautifully designed spaces close to hospitals for cancer patients and their family and friends to take time out to chat, relax and seek advice. Sadly, Maggie died, but not before installing Laura to take Maggie's centres forward, a task she has achieved with great accomplishment. This interview was recorded in front of a live Scottish Business Network audience on Zoom, and they were gripped by Laura's wonderful story. After thanking the Scottish business community for its support for Maggie's, Laura got straight into addressing the challenges posed by the pandemic crisis and its terrible impact on cancer care. If you enjoy this episode, why not subscribe to hear the whole series as and when you wish. Simply search for Scottish Business Network on Apple Music, Spotify, or any of the other usual podcast platforms. I'd like to start, um, Laura, by just asking about the current circumstances, because it must be extremely difficult for Maggie's and the the hospitals that you're associated with to be managing um, cancer care with everything else that's going on. So how have you managed to to steer the charity through these difficult times? There's no question that COVID has affected all of our our lives and and it will affect many of you in your your business lives. Um, But cancer is definitely one of the, um, what we would call is the kind of, the, the, the collateral as a result of some of the the decisions that we have made um, as a result of COVID. And if you go back to um, March last year, where we stopped all cancer screening, um, we had a, a directive from um, from 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 the NHS to stop all palliative care um, chemotherapy, to stop all um, surgery that wasn't um, essential, um, and and to really kind of um, and stop all relatives from being able to come into the hospital grounds, and that went on obviously for a period of of three to four months. Um, we came out of that first lockdown and started this sort of recovery pathway, to have then a further lockdown and then this one that we're in at the moment where. You'll all have heard in the media where cancer care has definitely been altered, not only in in people who are getting their diagnosis now, but what we do know, um, and it's going to take a while for the kind of true picture to emerge, but but we know that people are now presenting with a more advanced disease. So that means that in kind of Maggie's context, we are seeing people who have had their life expectancy altered. Um, uh, um, Their survivorship pathway has been um, reduced, um, where the families have not had access to health professionals for that kind of... um, information and um, sort of touch point uh, and we we know that in certain cancer groups already that it could take us 15 to 20 years to get back to 2019 survival um, uh, trajectories um, so that the, the kind of profound impact of of this year last year's uh, covid scenario is going to take 15 to 20 years for the kind of cancer pathways to get to get back to what what they were and, and we know that that's the case in, in many other sort of, of of sort of walks of life 
Um, so in terms of what Magus has had to do, it's had to do what I think probably all of you have had to do in your business life. We've had to look at where we could make savings, where we could um, preserve cash um, uh, in, in the charity world. That's our reserves. Um, where we could make sure that we stayed open and working so that we could meet the needs of people affected by cancer and their family and friends. And that meant what our centres could do in that face-to-face -face world, because Maggie's is all about seeing people and relationships and, and where we could then support people through this medium of Zoom, telephone, um, uh, Facebook, etc. So continuing that support, but there's no question the level of support, the intensity of support, the, the level of distress has, has been quite transformational and it has got harder as time has gone on because I think like all of us, in March last year, we saw the emergency, we responded to it, we accepted it, we understood. But it's only as time has passed that we've really started to understand what the ramifications are for each and every one of us at a personal level and at a societal kind of level. And talking of personal levels, I mean, the, the crisis had a different impact on every, every one of us as individuals. Mm. With all the, the pressure that you've had on you in your, your work situation as well, how, how have you found it personally? Um, well, I was, I'm, so I'm someone who is a, a runner and I, I am, well, I do, I do two things. I, I swim in the serpentine in the morning, which is, you know, swimming's on my own and running's on my own. And then all of a sudden you go into the isolation of um, lockdowns where you're no longer seeing people in the normal fashion. Um, um, you are working through Zoom and then all of a sudden the things that I like to do, like going out and running, are on your own. <laughs> So I've, I've had to sort of mentally dig deep to keep um, to keep running going as part of my um, health and and sort of um, well-being. I mean, there's no question the impact on your staff and people um, managing their anxiety and worry for their jobs, um, worrying about income, worrying about keeping all of our doors open. Um, but I've had a great board, and so there's no question that my board have been incredible. Um, we have uh, boards attached to each of our centres, so the chairs of those boards stepped up and supported me and the centres. And those of you who might know your local centre, we have great leaders in each of our centres. So, um, you know, I started my life in Edinburgh and Andrew Anderson, many of you might know who runs our Edinburgh Centre, you know, he's a fantastic individual. So really grateful to the leadership that we have in, in each of our centres. So it's, it's like all of them is drawing on the, the positivity and the great goodwill that we, we've experienced and managing some of the difficulties and, and difficult decisions. Um, so Laura, going back to the sort of beginning of your, your, your story, <laughs> um, you, you grew up in Peterhead, um, what was family life like and how did your upbringing kind of shape the person that you are today? Yeah, so my, um, so my father's from Shots and my mother's from Bathgate and, um, and my dad was an engineer down the mines. He started off in, um, um, that, in that life. So we've moved around bits of Scotland, but secondary um, education was in Peterhead and, and we stayed in what was a village at the time called Mintlow. I'm, I'm, I believe it's a bit grander and... Um, and sort of larger. Um, and it was, you know, a loving, happy, you know, wonderful kind of um, family life. Um, I mean, obviously, when we moved from, my dad worked at Longanet Power Station to Peterhead, you know, obviously everyone thought he was going to work, you know, going to the prison, you know, and so one had to adjust to that. And um, 
and I had had my, my parents had an early experience of my younger brother dying. So I have had experience of what loss within, um, for, for certainly for my parents, loss of a child, what that meant. Um, but a fairly traditional Scottish grassroots um, upbringing. <laughs> and as I mentioned earlier, you moved into to nursing at, at the, the age of just 16. So yeah. what what, so what, what into what what inspired that? What was is it something well, you always wanted? Um, um, so I, my mother hates this story, but I did suggest to my mother that I was going to. I didn't know what to do with my life, and I thought suggested nursing, and you know, it's a typical teenager. Oh, you're the most uncaring person I know. You can't possibly think about being a nurse, but I think probably that background of what had happened to my brother was an influence. Um, and then I um, and the first place I got my nursing course to start in was in Edinburgh, and. Um, so, of course, you know, moving from being brought up secondary school in Peterhead and, and life in the northeast to Edinburgh, where no one could understand my northeast accent, I probably have this more Edinburgh-ish accent than, um, than I would have done uh, as a result. So then the rest of my career sort of really emerged from, from an Edinburgh life. At so it was quite, quite exciting to be in Edinburgh in your, your late teens? It was very exciting, <laughs> very glamorous, the big city, the capital. And, and how did you take to nursing and how, how did those sort of early years shape your, your the de- development of your career? Well, I loved nursing. I think, I think what nursing suited my personality. I, I, um, I, I like getting things done. I'm a doer. Um, um, but I also liked, and, and, that, and one of the reasons why I, I found myself in, in, in working in cancer care was I liked um, the capacity to form relationships. And one of the, the challenging things, but most, one of the gifts and wonderful things about working with people with cancer is that you get to work with them over a prolonged period of time, not just the person with cancer, but also their family and um, and, and those that are the kind of key support um, sort of individuals. And so very early on, um, I realised that um, I, I enjoyed that relation, that ongoing relationship and relationship building. And of course, the, the, the big sort of moment in, in your life really was coming to to know Maggie Jenks, who who you nursed, and obviously whose whose name is is now emblazoned on on Maggie's centres. So, yeah. I mean, this is quite a story. Can you you tell us what happened and how Maggie's idea came about and how you've you've helped bring everything to fruition? So, at the time, I was working in the breast unit at the Western General Hospital, and by that point, I had. Uh, I'd come to London and I had done a specialist cancer nurse course and um, was developing my sort of um, my my career in the field of, of cancer nursing. And Maggie uh, turned up. She was um, came from Dumfries, um, married to an American, um, had been told that when she came to see us in Edinburgh that she had three months left to live. And I think, I mean, you have to go back to 25 years. You know, we can all remember no mobile phones, hardly any internet. Here walks in this couple who, um, you know, had, they were the, the patient, the expert patient, the informed patient, the, the patient with questions. Um, have you thought of what are you going to do? Um, you know, my friend in New York has suggested this. So it was a, you know, first time of a new experience of um, a patient who really wanted to kind of get engaged and informed about their medical plan and treatment and options. Um, and then from there, she um, started sharing about um, over a two year period about what she was 
very happy about our NHS, but what she felt was missing, um, the, the gaps, the how best to support herself, what else could she do to help manage her own participation in her cancer care, what, how could she best support her family and friends. And from there, the idea of a, a centre, a, a Maggie, which became a Maggie Centre, emerged. Um, but it was very much drawn on her American life and and her uh, and having had part of her life where she um, lived um, in in California. And so I had this extraordinary experience of travelling there, visiting cancer centres, seeing support facilities thinking, how the hell are we going to adapt this to a reticent Scottish community who don't talk about their feelings? Um, to, to um, So, you know, having the pleasure of really working alongside um, that closely with someone with cancer. The second half of the interview continues in a few seconds after this. Do you need a communications expert to help you with your marketing, brand storytelling or strategic content? Find out what I, Fraser Allen, can provide at www alancoms.co.uk That's Alan with two L's and an E and comms with two M's. And so, I mean, how did the whole thing sort of come about in terms of the funding and relationship with the NHS, etc.? Yeah, so, so you know, in Scotland, we know that we have folks who come from a fairly... Um, you know, land affluent background, but she's having her treatment on the NHS. So we really didn't have any idea that Maggie was affluent. And um, she came one day, um, actually was over the phone. She phoned and said, you know, I've got this idea. I really think we want to do a centre and I've got some money that I would like to put in. And initially the the figure that she quoted to me on the phone was a million pounds. And I think we, myself and Bob Leonard, who was her consultant, who I worked for, I think you know, we had no idea that she really could afford, and, and because she was part of um, the Jardine Matheson Group, um, Keswick Wealth, that she could, you know, have access to any um, um, cancer care across the world um, privately. Um, but she chose to take her treatment and have it with us on the NHS, sitting in our um, fairly grubby, no window views, um, waiting areas um, and corridors. Um, and so that started the, um, the the process. She had some money to invest. Her and her husband also came with an architectural um, background, so she felt that em- environment was important. Um, she talked about in a publication that she wrote for the um, a, a medical journal that the NHS was enough to a visit to the hospital was enough to finish you off. You know, rather than your pee, it's a date. You know, it's a, my opportunity to come to the hospital to get some of my thoughts and concerns answered. And that was pretty much about the the impact of the strip lights and the you know uh, undynamic un- sort of corridors. Um, so she wanted to bring beauty and um, an environment that would offer hope and. Um, and comfort alongside um, this area of psychological and social support. <clears throat> Sounds like there's a, a, a very strong dynamic between yourself and Maggie. Was it always the case that, that you were going to come on, on board and uh, with the organisation? Um, no, we advertised for someone to lead, um, be the first employee for the centre, and we didn't. We, we weren't able to make an appointment. We didn't feel there was the right candidate. And then Maggie's cancer re-recurred having had a successful um, response to her first lot of treatment. And um, it was just one of those things that we sort of, I sort of agreed. Um, she sort of asked, I said yes. 
And I had no idea of what I was doing. I was about 25 at the time. Um, yeah, I really did not consider the step into um, being the first employee of a newly formed, not even an established charity, but a pilot project on the hospital grounds where, you know, it's very rare to have the NHS, it's never been done before, the NHS to lease land to a charity to deliver, um, to let that charity be independent and deliver the care that it felt it's people that were coming in and using it as beneficiaries needed. Um, I, I, so I, it was really only retrospectively that I look back and think, what was this? To say yes to that decision. That's right. Now, now you know everything that lay, lay ahead of you. So, I mean, what have been some of the, the big challenges that you faced as you, you built the organisation up? So um, it, it's been about business, really, um, rather than the work of cancer care, although that is a, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a challenge, but it was at least one I had been professionally trained for. So, um, so and then again, this is where um, the business community, so my first three months as the first employee of Maggie's, I spent at Cooper's and Lybrand in Edinburgh, learning how to write a business plan and read a spreadsheet. You know, these weren't things I knew about. Um, the first thing that we had was a construction project. We were building a centre. Um, how to, you know, work with a board of of, uh, of, of directors. What, what is governance? Um, so all of those things were, um, you know, completely new to me. But if it wasn't for, again, the support of people who knew about business and who took me under their wing to educate me and teach me and support me and let me make mistakes and or, or help me avoid making mistakes. Um, it, Maggie's wouldn't have thrived um, in the way that it has been able to. Of course, even when this, the COVID-19 situation uh, abates, the economy's going to be in a bad, bad way for quite some time. And, and as you said, take a long time for for cancer care to get back to, to where it was. So what what are your plans in terms of steering Maggie's through the year and, and the decade ahead? So um, we are in the middle of a, a five-year plan where we and we have an overall vision to be at every single cancer centre across the UK that needs us. And we are, we've just opened at the beginning of this year our, our 24th centre at Southampton. And um, I hope you can pick up. I'm a very proud Scot. So I love the fact that we started in Scotland and... Um, and we have um, um, uh, um, spread in 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 in, um, in in England and Wales, and and so there's an awful lot more you know need for 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 Maggie's. Um, obviously, we will have to just take our time. Capital fundraising is definitely going to be a challenging area. Um, and you know what was wonderful, but last year was those donors and supporters that we'd often support in a capital context understood that revenue was the requirement um, and it's going to be about continuing to you know talk to your donors and those amazing supporters and make sure that they feel that they're part of the family know that they're part of their family and know that their investment in Maggie's work is is actually is, is making a difference um, it is also about innovating so like all of us um, you know we've had to look to digital channels to fundraise um, we started a Facebook fundraising run 50 miles in January and across the UK and already to date it's raised four million pounds you know we didn't know how to do that form of fundraising a year ago um, 
Um, I know everyone's complaining about those runners that are out taking walking, but don't. They might be running for Maggie's. Um, so it's all how to continue to you know innovate your fundraising. Um, and we've learned a lot of brilliant things about how to also deliver better cancer care. Um, I mean, people are desperate to come back into the centres and, and many are who, who that is where the right way of giving the support is. But we also know that when people live further afield or aren't well enough to travel into the centre to see the psychologist, to meet with a benefits advisor, you know, we can, we can deliver that through this, this medium. Um, so we can actually enhance the quality of our, our support. So there's lots of great opportunities, but we all have to just like everyone, um, make sure that we continue to be sustainable both in the delivery of our care and, and our income for the next few years as we see what the impact on the economy is. As you've um, developed Maggie's Laurie, you work with some very famous architects. Has that been quite <laughs> an interesting experience? It has been... Um, I mean, as, as you can tell, um, you know, I did not know anything about the design, build, architectural sort of world. So to have our third centre in Dundee designed um, by Frank Gehry, who um, it's still his only building in the UK, who at that time was a sort of kind of international icon. And when we opened Dundee, it was the world and their press came to to, to see him um, at opening centre and his pal Bob Geldof, um, you know, opened the building with him. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's been incredible. But I think more importantly, it's been incredible that the gift of their donations, and, you know, his was a, an absolute donation, um, was that you saw that actually what, you know, I learned what architecture and design does for people in terms of you know I see people visibly walk into the centre and feel you see their shoulders go down you see oh this is a place where it's curious and how how is this place brought about so I've had to learn a lot about what architecture and um and gardens and beauty and and working with a construction budget which those of you who have ever worked in construction budgets god it's hard work isn't it getting your designer to meet your budget and still get the end product so uh and it's and it's long term and so today I think Maggie's is probably one of the has worked with more architects than just about any other client in in the world albeit our buildings are very small but um so we've been lucky you know I've been lucky in my career to see to work with you know 24 different architects and more so, I mean, your, your job sounds like a, a mixture of, of some really demanding kind of logistical challenges and some things that are very rewarding. What, what are your favourite things about being CEO of Maggie's? Um, well, I, I, kind of back to the, the, the original point of my working life is relationships. And I think one of the most rewarding things are just... Um, you know, actually just, you know, what people's contributions are. And I think... Um, you know, a major donor can give you a large gift towards helping make a centre happen, but they can also give their skills and expertise and and and, and knowledge and 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 actually as well as uh, um, um, we've got someone doing Run Fifty who sent me a message saying I'm being looked after in the Edinburgh Centre. I just wanted to let you know with my metastatic cancer I'm doing Run Fifty and what how much the centre has meant to me and my family. And so just to see that kind of level of 
um, people always give you something more and it's a reciprocity. Um, we all know that when we give kindness, but if you can also receive it, and I think myself and my role as chief executive, and I say it to every member of staff, is, um, is you know, you're not only helping people, but actually they are giving you something back. And it's that giving something back that is that is truly rewarding, whether or not that's an architect giving off their skills and expertise, being, being able to kind of envision the design or it's... Um, or it's the person with cancer who gives you something more back that enriches your your life through what they've shared with you about their their own personal challenges. So uh, it must be a quite a, a very demanding role in in lots of different ways. Um, but as I want to ask you how you sort of relax. I mean, a perfect weekend. I'm <laughs> imagining a, a long run must feature in the in the mix somewhere. So so yeah. So it would start probably with a cycle to. I live in Shepherd's Bush. Um, um, I still get to Scotland, well, not this last year regularly, but my two children are studying, one in Glasgow, one in Edinburgh, so they're, they're returning to their Scottish roots. Um, um, so I cycle to the Serpentine and I, I am an all-year um, swimmer. So I'm one of those cold water swimmers, but without wetsuits. Um, so at the moment, the water temperature is about three degrees. So that I'm all, I'm all, it's, so when I say swimming, it's 100 metres, 200 metres. You know, I'm only in for 10 minutes. Um, so that will be how I would start my weekend. Um, and then the usual um, adult children, mother thing, dog, and a, and a six-mile run. Um, and then that means you can reward yourself with a good quality wine at the end it's of the day. Quite right. Well-deserved. <laughs> Um, just a couple more questions from me, Laura, and then I'm going to hand over to Christine for questions from the, the audience. Um, uh, it's a question I always like to ask. If you were to, to be able to give uh, the young Laura Lee, leaving Peterhead, some ad advice now, what would it be? Um, it would be to be kind of... Um, <sighs> I, I mean, that fearful kind of starting in the career and, and thinking that that career was set as in it was a ward nurse and that was it. Um, and and it's that advice of, of you know, luck comes your way, but you also have to step into it. And so um, whenever I do kind of speakers for schools and speaking to kind of, sort of young kids, it's sort of, you know, do things that seem to the side of what your plan had been, because you actually never know what, richness will come from that and what you will learn and will add value to your your skills and expertise so sideways steps and and I think I I, I thought Maggie's was a temporary sideways step out of my NHS career um, my NHS working life but in fact I, I have had a much more um, interesting wild kind of range of experiences in my career that um I, I i wouldn't necessarily have had if i had just stayed in in traditional nursing great um that's really interesting to hear all of that now i thought it would just be quite nice to end we've got um i'm not sure how many people we have on the, on the call tonight probably quite a, a few and certainly some very influential figures in the scottish business community would you like to close this part laura by just sort of getting the word out there about um, how important it is to you for people to, to support Maggie's going forward? Yeah, so, um, um, you know, everyone's helped um, in whatever level it is or what, whatever sort of opportunity can, can help Maggie's, you know, whether or not that's offering to be a, 
a mentor to one of my staff um, or whether or not that is about how um, um, you as an individual um, could could support. Um, th- 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 there's, there's always something that someone has got to, to offer that will add value to making Maggie's. Because um, Maggie's is a... Is, is a charity but it's a business and your contributions can help make sure that we are as effective and efficient and um and as well run as possible and that our our staff are as developed as as they can be and at that point we moved on to questions from the audience many thanks to laura who is brilliantly leading a very important and interesting organization the interview was recorded on the 19th of january 2021 And if you would like to find out more or support Maggie's, simply go to maggies.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a fortnight. Bye-bye. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.